The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week, and BetOnline is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, college football, and NHL in full swing, BetOnline is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access support for every sport, anytime. Head to BetOnline today to get into the action. And don't forget to use your promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline. This is Coach Kurt Signetti from JMU, and you are listening to the Fun Belt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. Welcome to another edition of Fun Belt Podcast, where we're going to talk about your favorite subject, the Sun Belt. We're part of Believe Network, where we believe in the Sun Belt, and I believe we're short a guy, Thibodeau. Am I right? Am I looking at this correctly? Are we down a man? We're down a man, but we went to the bullpen. Yeah. And we got one of our good show contributors there, Craig Stevenson of AL.com, a guy from my heart. The heart of Dixie. He's a Bama guy. I, I don't hold that against him because, you know, I'm an Auburn guy. But we love having Craig on to talk about Troy and our loving and hate him South Alabama Jaguars. <laughs> yes. Thank you for joining us, Craig. And with me, as always, is, is Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report. He's here. He's feeling a thousand percent. So we're going to get a thousand percent effort from him tonight. Craig, speaking of a thousand percent effort, we're going to talk a little bit about football, but damn, what happened to the Jaguars basketball team last night? A bye game with Mobile. It was miserable. You were miserable. Mm. What happened? Well, let's not put too much weight onto the phrase bye game because, I mean, they're just coming from across town. That's I think so they're their yeah. lunch or something. I don't think they're paying them a bunch of money to drive from, you know, Eight Mile, which is just outside the city limits of Mobile to, you know, Mobile proper. But anyway, yeah, it was bad. Uh, they lost the University of Mobile, which they were 9-0 all time against. I think they beat them by about 35 when they played them last year um, in AIA school. So you're playing down three divisions and you lose. I mean, they were – Ali, they were down big. I mean, they were down 14-4. to four. They were down by 27 a couple of times. And, you know, it just seemed like – uh, you know, South Alabama, they swore they took them seriously, but it didn't seem like it. And they just weren't, you know, couldn't make a shot, couldn't stop anybody. Mobile had guys getting to the rim on them, which, you know, they had 43 points in the paint, I think it was. I mean, that's just bizarre to see an NAIA team just physically dominating you. And, you know, they played better in the second half. They got it to seven at one point, but they were just too far gone at that point. And, you know, I guess you just got to wash your hands of it and move on. But, man, that's a – heck of a way to start the season that's for sure because you know uh they play alabama in a week they play maryland in about two weeks uh, and (laughs) some other you know decent teams before they get to the sun belt so boy they need to improve fast 
in, in in this case, this game, do you feel that it was more of a case that this was kind of the national championship for the Mobile Rams and that they were playing up to kind of dominate the, the in-city school? Or do you feel that, kind of like you said, you know, South Alabama just kind of looked past them. If they go through the motions, it's enough to get the win. Yeah, I think both. I mean, one, there is some definitely some uh, some uh, playing up for Mobile because, you know, Darnell Archie, the uh, head coach at Mobile's former South Alabama assistant under Matthew Graves, he's the legendary free throw shooting champion from uh, from Butler back when he was in school. But, uh, but yeah, I think South Alabama, you, you got a bunch of transfers on this team. I think they only had two, three guys that played any at all last year that were back and you got some guys coming in saying, Hey, look, you know, we're playing in AIA school and uh, we should be able to dominate these guys. And it just didn't happen, man. It was, it was, it was bad. It was, there was no way it was not fluky. They got out completely outplayed uh, for most of 40 minutes. The only thing that kept it even as close as it was, was that Mobile missed a you know, bunch of free throws, but uh, you know, it was, uh, it was awful. It really was. Well, it wasn't just South Alabama that was putting out uneven or even performances. The Sun Belt itself, aside from the, the magic win from James Madison taking down number four Michigan State last night, right? A ULM blown out by Houston. Arkansas State took it pretty hard against Wisconsin. Texas State loses sort of a, a ghostly revenge game against UALR. Uh, it's been, it was a lot of games, a lot of, like, I think, Coastal Carolina. <laughs> just came away with a last second bucket to beat something called Piedmont. You know, it just didn't seem like a dominating performance by the Sun Belt by any stretch of the means. But like you said, it's one game, Craig, and and you just have to move on to the next. I mean, nobody's really in midseason shape yet. And basketball is just one of those, one of those uh, sports that just takes a couple weeks to gel. No, I don't disagree. And, you know, it was kind of a bad week for South Alabama overall because <laughs> the loss to Troy last Thursday that we'll talk about, but also the the women's soccer team had one loss and got mm. the, out of the uh, national tournament. You know, they were the regular season champion, obviously, and uh, but lost early, you know, I think in the quarterfinals of the, of the conference tournament and did not make the postseason. So, yeah, it's not been a great week to be a Jag. Mm-mm. Well... Without further ado, then, <laughs> maybe we should get straight into recapping yeah. Week 10, because there were some really great things that happened in Week 10. Tibbs, are you well enough to get us through this? Are you the, you know, you're the guy who usually drives this train. Are you able, Are you do you have the wherewithal? Did you take your vitamin C? Can you get Craig and I through this? From the famous scene of program coach hurt i'm not injured uh, I'll deep. start taking steroids like steve latimer and put your head through a <laughs> whatever it takes to get up for the show there you go so we kick off obviously with that thursday night game troy mm-hmm. they've been dominant in in the series yeah is is this just a case that Troy really is the best team in the West and the best team in the state of Alabama when it comes to Sunbelt football? Or or is South Alabama just snake bitten in, in this rivalry game? I, I mean, I think both. Um, obviously, Carter Bradley was hurt and did not play. They had to start a true freshman on the road against one of the best defenses in the 
and you know, probably the best overall defense in the Sun Belt. I can say that because Shane's not here to have <laughs> the team. Um, you know, statistically, they are they are the best defense in the Sun Belt for sure. Um, they had to start a freshman Gio Lopez in that game, and you know, it's two times in three. Well, really, if you count all three years, the last three years since Womack has been there. Uh, you know, the, the, the first year they lost uh, Jake Bentley to a knee injury on the first series of the game. They were, you know, driving for a touchdown and he got hurt. And then last year, LaDamian Webb was not 100%, even though he played in the game. And then this year, Carter Bradley's out. So that definitely hurt their chances to win now. Even if Bradley was healthy, I think Troy still probably would have won that game. Uh, but South Alabama just didn't have much uh, offensively. You know, they were, they had to, they, you know, their offense is predicated on taking shots down the field. Uh, in the passing game. They just weren't able, able to do that as much with Gio Lopez. Even though he's a really good athlete, and I know you guys probably watched, he, he had some really dynamic plays yeah. uh, that he kept alive. That That's the kind of thing they have not had at South Alabama in a long time, if yeah, ever. You mentioned that, actually, in, while you were tweeting, you were talking about. And, yeah, yeah I guess you're right, Carter Bradley and, and the guy before. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, both yeah. big arm guys, right? Good po- pack pocket guys. Don't have but a no I, Yeah, I thought Gio looked really good in that regard, but still just a freshman. Yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, if he'd have had more time to prepare or, you know, maybe played, started the week before or something like that, we might have seen more. But, uh, yeah, his future is really bright. Uh, uh, there's no question about that. But I think he would have won it if you – if you could have had Carter Bradley, we would have wanted him. That said, Troy's a good team, man. I mean, they're better than I thought they would get. They were going to be. They did a really good job in the transfer portal. Uh, Chris Lewis, man, that receiver from Kentucky. How, I mean, how how was he not good enough to play Kentucky? I mean, Kentucky hadn't been able to throw the ball in forty years since so Tim Couch left, and uh, or J- uh, Jared Lorenzen at least. And that guy was—he's a man. I'm telling you, man. Um, and, uh, you know, they've really plugged and played on the defensive side of the ball. They really – yeah, they had a lot of good defensive linemen and DBs back. They had to rebuild the linebacker core, but it seems like they were on their way there. And, you know, John Summerall's a really good coach. I mean, he's 18-4, and four, um, 9 and 0 against the Sunbelt West, which is big. Um, and, uh, you know, they are well on their way to hosting the Sunbelt Championship for the second straight year, assuming we don't see some uh, magical reversal with the JMU situation. Yeah, Lewis was just pushing guys around. I mean, it was like a man versus sixth graders out there. He was he, he could do whatever he wanted uh, against South Alabama. And what surprised me about South Alabama, Craig, and this Tibbs and I were both talking about this. Tibbs, did you you thought South Alabama was going to be number one in the West, right? I know I did. I did. did yeah, okay. Yeah. We both picked South Alabama, and I picked them predicated on so many defensive starters were coming back to South right. Alabama. And mm-hmm. and then I, I thought Troy would be knocked down a bit. One, I never really believed in Gunnar Watson. I feel like I'm 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 having to do a mea culpa on that. But yeah. two, I thought Troy had lost too much on defense. Right. And they just seem to have gotten better. It's just weird to watch. Yeah, for sure. Um you know, again, they they do have some quality pieces back on the defensive side of the ball, Richard Tribuner. TJ Jackson, who was suspended early in the year and is back now. Uh, Del Pettis, uh, uh, Reddy Stewart, those are good players. I mean, those are some all Sun Belt quality players. But, yeah, offensively, I wasn't sure what they were going to be. Gunnar Watson, like you said, had been just kind of a guy. Yeah. Up and, although he had some moments last year, and, you know, especially in the conference championship game. Offensive line, they had to kind of retool 
replace a couple of three-year starters up there, including one that was drafted uh, by an NFL team. And then, uh, you know, had to redo the receiver room too. So, yeah, I, I, I'm really impressed. They're obviously well-coached. I mean, you know, uh, John Summerall is not only a good coach, but he's also picked a pretty good staff. You know, had to replace his defensive coordinator, and they have not missed a beat. They've even gotten better. Um, with South Alabama, though, you know, they have had a couple of key injuries. There's no two ways about it. Um, Devin Voison, who was probably their best receiver, even though Colin Lacey's having a great year, tore his ACL in week two. Braylon McReynolds, who was the kickoff returner and probably the, you know, the speed back with LaDamian Webb, broke his collarbone in week one. Uh, Keith Gallman got hurt uh, against Tulane again. He's out for the year, very experienced defensive back. They've had a couple other guys miss here and there. But uh, they've underachieved. There's no question about it. You know, the <clears throat> if you can go on the road and beat Oklahoma State, which, you know, has a chance to win the Big 12 now, you can beat them by four touchdowns. You've got no – there's no reason you should be losing at home to Central Michigan and Louisiana, um, you know. So they're remarkably inconsistent, and it's really difficult to say why, but they just are. And, you know, now they're going to struggle to be bowl eligible. Um you know, with Arkansas State, which looks like a dangerous team coming in, and they still got to play um, Texas State in the last game, as well as uh, Marshall, which is struggling uh, coming in. So I, I think they're going to get to six wins, but um, it's going to be tight. So speaking of the Arkansas State Red Wolves, another big Sunbelt West showdown there. Yeah. The Cajuns went to Arkansas looking to just really solidify their season, and, and man, the the – the giving of one Jeremy Harper to the athletic foundation there at Arkansas state has done wonders that the water feature is no longer flowing with water. It's streaming gold. Now I think it's because he had too many PBRs and, and oh, he was man. adding to the fountains. I did. You know what? I, I, you know, my brother Rex Steele is there and we sat down and watched the game in the stands, like the part of the people I wasn't in the press box. And uh, it was probably the most complete game I've seen Butch, jo- Butch Jones' team in, in Jonesboro play, uh, just top to finish. There was one busted play where Zeon Chris, before he got injured, threw a uh, one-play touchdown. It was something like a 90-yard touchdown. Uh, and after that, it was just pretty much a defensive beatdown from Arkansas State. Offensively, they just looked great. They ran the ball well, which is something that Arkansas State hasn't done in a long time. This is second game in the row where they've run the ball well. And most importantly, the defense put a shutdown on that Louisiana run game, which was ranked first in the Sun Belt. I, I, what's crazy about Louisiana is that they've got this great run game, but they don't have those marquee names like uh, uh, Rashid Ali or LaDamian Webb or, or uh, you know, Kamara. Uh, 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 Vidal or all those other guys, a million guys. The Sun Belt is super blessed. Yeah, Kamani, I'm sorry. Kamani Vidal. The Sun Belt's super blessed. They don't have a big name, but, man, they can run the ball. And I believe Arkansas State held them to, like, 60 yards. So there's something with Arkansas State right now that uh, they've kind of found that switch. Uh, Everything seems to be clicking into place. Uh, The freshman quarterback, Jalen Rayner, Seems to know what he's doing now. He's he knows the playbook. He's comfortable with the wide receivers. The offensive line just keeps getting stronger. And admittedly, we're looking uh, you know, feeling pretty good. The team's feeling pretty good entering into that South Alabama game. 
Well, we know they've recruited well, right? I mean, they had the best recruiting class in the Sun Belt, you know, yep. a couple of under Butch. And I get, I mean, is it now that that's just starting to uh, bear fruit, so to speak? Yes. And if you listen to Butch Jones for just a short amount of time, he'll remind you. That's a lot of young guys playing, you know. He likes to say that they've started the most freshmen than any other team in the group of five. You know, I haven't done the research to confirm that. I'm just assuming he's telling the truth. But, yeah, it's a bunch of young guys, especially last year. Uh, uh, there, It was all freshmen and, and, and really not a lot of senior leadership. Now we're, we're beginning to see these guys suddenly understand what it takes to play football at this level. And it's pretty exciting, you know. If, uh, now we're Red Wolves are one game from bowl eligibility. Didn't think we'd be having that conversation after scoring a total of three points the first two games. So it's 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 pretty wild times in Arkansas State. So, Craig, yeah. a question I have for you on that. Yeah, J- Jalen Rayner at Arkansas State, one of four freshman quarterbacks that have wow. seen action now in the Sun Belt West, with Jalen Rayner, Blake Murphy at. ULM, uh, Gino there at South Alabama, Zion Christ at Louisiana Lafayette. Does that give you a lot of hope that the West is going to continue to be kind of that dominant offensive juggernaut going forward? Or do you feel that we're just about to see kind of everybody picked off and, and moving up to uh, more G5, bigger G5 or, or even the P5? That's kind of what I was wondering. Um, you know, <clears throat> I was – because uh, you look around, you know, I, I can speak to Gio Lopez, who was a pretty well-regarded player in the state. Uh, he was an all-state quarterback on the 7A level, you know, which is pretty solid, obviously the highest classification in the state. And I was really kind of surprised Auburn didn't swoop in on him because it seems like he would be perfect for their offense. You know, he's, he runs that read option stuff that Hugh Freeze likes to run. and um, But they didn't, and that's good. And it's at least for now it's good. Um but, yeah, you would expect, I, I don't know which ones, but probably two of the four probably won't finish their careers where they are now, unfortunately. That's just kind of the way of the world. Yeah, that was my parting shot last show was I got all excited because uh, Arkansas State had a player named a, a big award list, a defensive player, a guy named Javante Mackey, and he's a freshman. It's a freshman award, and I thought, I, I almost want him not to be recognized. I'd rather have <laughs> – no recognition for this guy because this is just a guy that suddenly is on everybody's radar. It becomes an NIL loss. So I, it's I, too bad we have to feel this way. I will say this. South Alabama has not really lost anybody to the portal that they've wanted to keep in the last couple of years, which is a good, you know, which is obviously good. Um, they've got a little bit of an NIL thing going. They've been able to help some guys with that. Troy, I guess, lost Marcus Jones a couple of years ago, went to Houston, and then is now in the NFL with the New England Patriots. But and then they lost uh, Tess Johnson to what is the Oregon? No, wait, Tess Johnson. He yeah. went to like North Carolina. Bo Nix. He's Bo Nix's. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, but so obviously there have been some big stars that it, they have lost, but they've still, you know, there's still enough quality uh, on those rosters, and you know that there are so many guys in the portal. That it seems like you can restock, even the even if you are losing some of your your marquee guys. A school that seems like they have buku quarterbacks, and this is another case of a freshman quarterback on the east. East Ethan Vasco of Coastal Carolina steps in for the injured McCall 
and the injured guest still able to get the 28-24 win at Old Dominion, throwing for 180 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Is is Coastal Carolina just quarterback you where they can just pick another guy out of the stands? Well, Tim Beck knows what he's doing with quarterbacks, but what was more impressive about the quarterback's performance, I think he had 170 yards rushing. And a touchdown. I mean, my God. I mean, those are running back numbers. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem to matter who Coastal Carolina throws out, no matter who gets injured, whether it's Grayson McCall, whether it's Guest, and now Vasco. uh, Whoever Tim Beck has on hand, he's going to make into a a serviceable quarterback. That's why he got that job was, you know, his quarterback work at NC State. And, um yeah, I you know I, I, credit to Coastal Carolina because I had kind of written them off uh, yeah, about three weeks a month ago, and they have really kind of turned the corner a little bit. Um, and with the JMU situation being what it is, I don't know that anybody you know really wants to step up and win the East. Doesn't seem like it. Uh, you know, I thought Georgia State was kind of out of the mix, and now they're right back in it. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out over the next three weeks. Yeah, Coastal Carolina, they lose their first two conference games. It looks like they're kind of done. They're fried. They're cooked. I think I had I had buried them in my columns, and now I think they've won four straight in conference and yeah. sort of in the catbird seat right now in terms of uh, who might win the East. With a- it's not dead, which, again, I thought they were dead a month ago. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. They win two straight. Sean Elliott. Uh-huh. There, Jeremy Craig is a guy that I live in fear of. Yeah, that he is at any time me. just going to headbutt me, <laughs> choke me out in the, in, in the good old wrestling MMA move or whatever yeah. else. And, and I was supposed to be at Center Park Stadium on Saturday. I'm glad I did not get to go because he was pissed post game <laughs> that his yeah. team absolutely did nothing and it shows in the time of possession where the panthers had 17 and a half minutes of time of possession just long enough for darren granger to run for 103 yards two touchdowns and the rest was all signetti show along with mcleod getting 307 four touchdowns there's nobody that can beat james madison except for james madison yeah you know yeah, oh, go ahead, Craig. No, I, you're right. I've you know, uh, I saw him in person when they played South Alabama. I've seen him. I saw him against Troy. I've seen him other times. Um, they're legit, man. They're good. Um, you know, you can you can pass on them a little bit. You know, which with South was able to do, which Troy was able to do. I think they both went over 300 yards on them, but you just can't run them at all. You know, and you know they did lose Jalen Green, which is going to hurt a little bit. They're good enough offensively. I really like the quarterback McLeod. He uh, He's not spectacular, but he doesn't make big mistakes. And, uh, you know, the, uh, yeah, they, they're they not going to – I said after after they played South Alabama, uh, I didn't think they were going to lose the rest of the year just based on what I had seen. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned you can, you can throw on JMU. We had mentioned that on this show, Tibbs. Yeah, you can throw on, on JMU. That's mm-hmm. their weakness. It's almost like Signetti heard it and just got pissed off and said, fine, you're not going to get any passes either because what he does is he just gets that – that front line to rush the quarterback and, and the quarterback doesn't have time to make plays. And so who cares if, if the secondary is kind of young and inexperienced, they don't have to make plays that that front yeah. line is just so damn good. You can pass on them if you can get the throw off. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's really <laughs> hard to do that, man. They're just a bunch of 
maniacs on the on the you know that that front four or five depending on what how they line it up so meanwhile georgia yeah. state had a lot of sand in them going into that game tibbs and you know they were feeling pretty good uh, they'd already suffered that first loss against georgia southern so some of that sand had been punctured out of the bag then they get humbled again by uh by jmu where are they now you think we're talking about georgia state is that who you said yeah, georgia state uh well you know obviously they're they're what a, at least a half a game off the pace it's such a jumble over there mm-hmm. you know and I, 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 it's hard to say uh georgia state only has two games left because they got they, now they got app at old dominion uh and lsu which obviously doesn't matter but uh when i don't I mean, I, I, I have a hard time predicting any of those games, to be honest with you. I think it's funny, though, that we're praising McLeod when Signetti was like, yeah, he's got a lot of bad habits. We got a coach out of him. We don't think that he's quite our caliber of quarterback. I would love to not have his quite uh, caliber of quarterback. <laughs> I'm telling you, well, Signetti's a poor mouther, man, big time. And, you know, there are some, it seems like the most successful coaches are. Some are all the same way. Um, I laugh every time I bring up, hey, you guys only gave up three points in the second half this week. I think they've about scored the West 80 to nine in the second half this year or something like that. And, uh, you know, and he's like, well, we didn't play very well. Yeah. I was like, well, dude, come on. You're not making me feel very good knowing that Troy's coming to the Bayou this week. (laughs) It's going to be rough. It's going to be a (laughs) They do not make mistakes. You know. I'm glad it's military appreciation weekend, and that way maybe the military can <laughs> step between us and <laughs> stop the bloodshed. Well-placed cannon shot. I don't know. <laughs> maybe a tank to run up the middle. I don't know. <laughs> Adding to my woes. Yes. I have the stats pulled up. of okay. uh, ULM's trip to Southern Miss. Mm, very brave. 24-7, Southern Miss wins, but mm-hmm. – I mean, ULM literally turned the game over. Four turnovers that equated for 17 points that Southern Miss scored. Blake Murphy, as great as he's been, he had tip balls. Tip balls are caught by somebody. Unfortunately, it was caught by a defensive player where at least one was a pick six. Mm. And and it, it was just a helpless, helpless game. 73 yards rushing. Time of possession was 20 minutes. Southern Miss had double that. It was I, – I, I don't know why I kept watching it. That one surprised me a little bit. Uh, I didn't get to see much of it, but I did, you know, uh, follow the, the the stats and all that. And, um, you know, Southern Miss, credit to them, though, it does seem like Will Hall getting rid – you know, turning over the play calling has actually made a difference. You know, and not uh, quite often when a coach does that, or, or fires his coordinator or whatever, it doesn't, you don't see any effect at all, but it definitely seems to have worked or at least, uh, you know, helped Southern Miss some. I, I was, you know, Southern Miss, you know, when they played South Alabama, which was like three and a half weeks ago, three, three whatever it was, Tuesday night game. Um, Gore at that point had thrown one pass all year. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, why are you taking that out of your offense? It's really all you got. You know, I mean, because he really, he was a weapon that way. 
Yeah. And they decided they were going to play it straight and they weren't talented enough to do that. But, you know, um, he's a really good player. Um, I don't think he, South Alabama's pretty much stopped him every time they've played him, but um, I, I just seemed like they weren't playing to their strengths and, you know, maybe they're doing that a little bit more now. You know, speaking of Gore, uh, we, a couple of weeks ago, we ran a little tiny segment about players that charmed us and players that disappointed us. And one of the players that disappointed us was Frank Gore Jr. He just wasn't the top tier running back since then. The man's been on fire. Uh, the last two games, I think he's run for 370 yards and uh, three or four touchdowns. So it's almost like he heard us and said, F you, I'm going to yeah. be good. You know, not to be one of those guys, but if he wasn't Frank Gore Jr., would we make as big a deal out of him? Because, you know, just based on what I've seen, there's three or four running backs in the in the Sun Belt better than him, I think. Uh, you know, all right, here's here's why I think that a lot of what he is is legit. He's one. He's a, the kind of running back when he's on his game, and he's always been on his game against Arkansas State. He always has a great game. It's like you can't tackle him. You hit him, and bam, he has another 10 yards. When he is running well, he is just a very good yak guy. Now, and then it seems like the only way we can ever get around him is when he gets hurt, and then he gets hurt, and then we win the game. And that's how we beat South, Southern Miss. He, he ran out of juice. But, yeah, I don't know. You could be right. I mean, he is a legacy guy, right? He's a, a Nepto yeah. guy. <laughs> but I was like, want to talk a little bit about ULM, Tibbs. It seemed like, you know, like early in the season, the Warhawks were the most dangerous bad team in the Sun Belt. You know, they were losing games by one. They were losing games by a field goal. It was like, oh, my God, we barely escaped the Warhawks. The Warhawks are better than we think. And now they're just getting blown out on a regular basis. What has happened, Tibbs? Locker room issues. Mm -hmm. And you hit that seven loss. There's, there's nothing really else to play for. Mm. With that said, yeah. it still wouldn't surprise me that this weekend ULM comes in and beats Troy. Wouldn't surprise me. Would, wouldn't surprise me surprise if Troy comes in and, 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 and hangs 100 on him. There'd it wouldn't be surprise me. a lot me. of people who would like that. You know, well, you know, they got the, you're right in the fact that the ULM, it seems like ULM always gets somebody, you know. Yeah. But I think maybe when they had those two one-point losses, you know, Texas State and App State, they missed their chance at that, you know. Yeah. Texas State especially. Uh, you know, they had them on the ropes. That was a hard game to watch, man. I mean, it was fun to watch, but at the end, it was like, oh man, Warhawks, no, not this way. Yeah. But, but in all seriousness, I, I think the biggest thing is there's there's not a consistent quarterback play. Mm. We knew that Jai Wright was going to be serviceable, but he wasn't really your your guy, and Blake Murphy wasn't ready. I mean, the kid was getting ready for prom this time last year. He, he was not ready to take the reins of a D1 program. Now, I think next year, he's taking his lumps this year, that he'll be in a lot better shape. But for right now, it, it's – I almost wish we had Frank Gore, the passer, in the backfield there for ULM so that we, we would kind of know consistently what we were going to get out of the passing game. Yeah. Wild, Wildcat, baby. <laughs> You know, I, it would really – it would surprise – it would be a biggest upset of the year if they beat Troy. Now, Louisiana in two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is, two and a half weeks, if they don't have Zion Chris, that wouldn't shock me for them to go down Lafayette and win that game. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I personally think Louisiana's in a little bit of trouble, but that, but that's for here or there. Yeah. Pressing on through the week after I now have to take another drink. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. The whiskey. Bobcats mm -hmm. jumping in the river, the river that runs through San Marcos after they hit finally hit six wins. I love that tradition. Craig, when, 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 you, when you give your comments there, what's the tradition there that South Alabama kind of has for the big wins that they have as, as, you know, the entire Texas State team, the president, the AD, hell, the beat writer, beat writer uh, Jeff Cardello was, was jumping in. Yeah, I don't know that South Alabama has one on like a pregame tradition or a postgame tradition. They do have the – they had a thing for a while. I don't think they're doing it this year where they would uh, – if they had a turnover, they would throw Mardi Gras beads into the crowd. Um, you nice. know, more. They have the obviously the number five jersey they give to a different player every week uh, in honor of Anthony Mostella, who was on the original South Alabama team and uh, was killed in a motorcycle accident in 2010. So they give the number five jersey to a different guy every week. Um, it's going to be Quentin Wilfon this week. But, you know, in terms of postgame stuff, they don't really have that that I know of, uh, that I think of off the top of my head. But yeah, that was cool. Good for Texas State, man. I mean, there's no reason they shouldn't be competitive based on where they are geographically, even though it's a very competitive uh, a part of the state. You know, obviously, the University of Texas follows everything up there, but even UTSA's come along and uh, some of the other programs, they're not too far from, you know, Texas Tech and Baylor and places like that. But, uh, you know, I, I, I've been impressed with what they did. I knew they figured they're going to be dangerous. Uh, TJ Finley, hmm. you know, never was great at Auburn or LSU, but if he was good enough to start in the SEC, you figured uh, he was going to have a chance to be an impact player in the Sun Belt, and that's been the case. You know, Finley, uh, he's, he, he sort of looked mortal. He looked mortal against Troy, which everybody looks mortal against Troy. Bounced back with 300, 301 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, you know, I kind of thought maybe Texas State, it wasn't their year, guys. I, I thought, you know, this was, they're having a good year this year, and they should be happy to have that, but Maybe next year is the real year that you should be looking out for Texas State. But Texas State is still technically in the hunt. And nobody would want to see ULM defeat Troy this week more than the Bobcats, Tibbs. <laughs> well, I don't know. The Red Wolves might. Oh, uh, we might. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's we're just. Is we're there just still yeah. <laughs> we're, we're accepting donations just, just to try to help the calls. We'll, we'll pass the hat. I might start a complete NIL just for the Warhawks win <laughs> against Troy. I will hey, wear a Warhawks hat all week if you guys beat Troy. <laughs> I don't think we sell them that big. But here's the thing about Texas State that I think is lost. Okay, they hit six wins. Fantastic. Great year. G.J. Mm -hmm. Kenny, probably coach of the year in the Sun Belt. Absolutely. Okay, great. They are still not guaranteed a bowl game, and a seven and five Texas State team didn't go to a bowl don't game. Don't do this. Don't put that. Don't put that voodoo on. on I talked with State Bobcats. <laughs> I talked with former show guest Haley Blocker, who's now at U of H. Yeah. When, when I was there for for that travesty of a basketball game, mm -hmm. and I told her, I said it was great when they hit five, but remember they hit that skid, and I was like, that's it. They're done. And she said, yeah, I, I, I was kind of thinking the same thing as well. But they're finally at six. I don't see why they wouldn't go to a bowl. I mean, their first bowl, New Orleans would love to have them. Frisco There's, would love to have them. 
and they're too entertaining a team. They're not like some defensive slog team. They're a big offensive team. A couple of things. One, they're not going to be – there's not going to be enough bowl uh, six-win teams, I don't think. There's even – you know, some of the bowl projections I'm seeing even have Jacksonville State and, 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 and JMU in there because they have to fill those extra slots. So I think that's going to be true, too. You don't think Signetti, if he goes 12-0 and as coach of the year? <laughs> no. I don't. Well, all right. Let me preface that. And who will win? I think it also depends on if he can play for the conference championship, and, and, and I mean that legitimately. That that if he can truly show that he is the dominant coach with the dominant team in the league, legitimately. Well, they won at Troy already. Yeah, yeah, but but I, I think that 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 is still the the, the caveat. You, you know what, Tibbs, you are providing right now? Just another chip for Signetti to put on his shoulder and use as a weapon for next year. I don't think – I got a Signetti story that's interesting, um, I, you know, not personal interaction, but just observation. When I was at Al, when I was covering Alabama, you know, he was wide receivers coach. He was Saban's first wide receivers coach. Ooh. And they go, they go way back because Signetti's dad was head coach at West Virginia when Saban was growing up and all that kind of stuff. But um, – uh, you know, everybody talks about the really bad butt chewing that Lane Kiffin got from Saban. I saw Signetti get one worse one time. And I'm trying to remember who they were playing. And it would be a great thing to, like, if you could ever get him off to the side and ask him about it. Uh, anyway, he was, back in those days, the offensive coordinator was in the booth, which I guess was McElwain at that time. Um, and then he would relay the play down, and Signetti would signal it in because he was standing right behind Saban, something went haywire, and Saban just unloaded on him for about 30 seconds. It was on TV. I'm trying to – Oh. Oh. It was was as bad as one – as a coach chewing out another coach that I've ever seen. You know, um, I can't imagine what it would take, what sort of, of, of spiritual fortitude it would take to chew out Kurt Signetti. Well, I mean, he, he moved. I mean, he was, he was like the, you know, uh, George Washington on Mount Rushmore. He just kind of stood there, <laughs> but, which shouldn't surprise you, you know, based on our interactions with him. But I have a photograph of him that I took, and he has this big smile on his face, and it does not touch his eyes. His <laughs> eyes are still furious coals of anger. <laughs> I love this guy. He's like, you're like, Tibbs is, is, is intimidated by, uh, by uh sean elliott i'm intimidated by signetti or is, well, is there any coach that you're intimidated by uh well hold on uh, elliott's a former offensive line coach yeah. and he's crew cut so you know that'll that'll worry uh coaches that would intimidate me that's a good question i think another reason is is not yeah. only his intensity i have flashbacks of, of being raised military and, and just i feel like i should be saluting him and, and saying yeah. sir yes sir yeah, I can see it. Um, you know, Summerall has the ability to be intimidating, but he's just such a nice guy. I was, I'll tell you a story. I went to the, you know, obviously went to the Troy South Alabama game and I went and caught the South Alabama press after the game. You know, they're standing outside the locker room. So I grabbed that and then I go back inside to get the, the Troy stuff and they're just about done. And I walk down there in their team meeting room or whatever and someone goes, Hey, Craig, how's it going? I was like, Hey, I'm sorry I'm late. He said, Well, 
I got uh, I got time for two more questions from you. So I sat right down front and I asked my two questions. He walked out. It was great. He's helped the press conference. He's a good dude. Uh, is there a coach around the conference, Craig, that you just really enjoy talking to? Um, I, I guess probably Summerall. I mean, Summerall and Walmart, I have really good relationships with those guys. Those are the only ones I really deal with a, 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 a lot. Uh, I have found that G.J. Kenny, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but you're not going to get anything from the guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't even bother asking questions that, that often. Bowden's good, you know. Uh, <laughs> yes, he's a fun talk. Yeah, and he obviously has a million stories. Um, but, uh, you know, I, uh, I, don't, I don't find any of them difficult, really, so far. Uh, I, I'll tell you, Clay Helton, I enjoyed talking to him. Uh, yeah. when I had a chance, uh, he had some really good stories about, uh, the difference between Los Angeles and Statesboro. I think he said <laughs> when he was in, uh, at USC, he slept in the office three nights a week because the traffic was so bad getting <laughs> that he could get like an hour and a half of sleep before he had to turn around and go back to the office. And it's unbelievable. See, now he was probably saying, yeah, I slept at the office and everybody's like, oh, man, the coach is really working hard on that game plan. But no, yeah. he just right. didn't. And then he said now, uh, yeah, it takes him like six minutes to get to the office or something like that. So I'm sure he's seems to be enjoying life, which is good. Closing out the week, App State, they stayed relevant in the Sunbelt Conference yeah. East, getting the win over a beat-up Marshall team, 31-9. to Cam Fancher, 137, one touchdown, three interceptions. Rashida Lee, 68 yards. This just isn't the same Marshall team that we expected coming in. It's not no. the same Marshall team we saw week one, week two. App State, this is definitely the team that we were expecting to see. I thought they had a chance to win the East, um, you know, and, um, mm -hmm. and there were a lot of people talking about Charles Huff being on the fast track to, to get a big job and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't look like it's going to happen now. And they come in here to Mobile next week. Uh, I'm looking interested to see what they've got. But, uh, yeah, I, I they're one that I just like, you know, when they had that four-game losing streak, I just kind of wrote them off. Yeah, you know, uh, they, they, won, they won four straight. Yeah. Uh, to start the season, they went four straight and everybody's like, yeah, this is the Marshall's, uh, the Thundering Herd's year. They should be in the top 25. They, 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 they look like the better, one of the better Marshall teams that they were in the past. I felt probably bad because early in the season, I thought, I don't think Marshall's the team. They've lost five straight. And if Shane were here, he'd remind us that those guys are beat up uh, from top to bottom. They're not the same team because they're all just looking, you know, injured. Cam Fancher's not the same quarterback. He's got some kind of injury. Throws the three picks, Tibbs. I mean, if with Cam Fancher, you just had to absorb at least one pick a game. Now he's throwing three a game. Uh, does this Marshall win another game this year? I don't know. I mean, maybe this. They, they have a special they, game. They, up, they penciled in ULM. Southern, South Alabama, Arkansas State. So. Yeah. 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 So – that's yeah. that's tough. Be a and that was the week. Yeah, and it was great for some of us. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jeremy. For some of us, it was a magic week. <laughs> Craig, did you try on the belt? That's what I want to know. Oh, now maybe if South Alabama ever wins it again, I'll get a chance to get in there and see it. You know, it's funny covering South Alabama for. 
this is my ninth year and they've won it twice. They won the first one. Yeah. They won it in 2017, which was a an upset when it happened because that was the Troy team that had just beat LSU when South Alabama went in there and beat them. And it was actually Joey Jones's first year. Yeah, Joey Jones, the only South Alabama coach that ever beat Troy. Wow. Joey, seven, and that's I, why they put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, the yeah. 77 Joey Jones. <laughs> I love that guy. So, Craig, we close out the show every time. Plug promo, parting shot. Yeah. Plug what you're doing. Plug uh, whatever you want to. A parting shot of anything you've seen, observed. Maybe even a horrible podcast you listen to every now and again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, al.com slash USA or al.com slash Troy. You can find what I'm writing about those two teams. I'm on Twitter X at uh, Craig Stevenson, C-R-E-G-S-T-P-H-E-N-S-O-N. Not doing radio anymore. You know, I did radio here in Mobile. Yeah. But I quit doing that this year. So. Oh, man. Yeah, well, I just uh, my my wife got a big promotion, so Ooh. we didn't read the money need the money anymore. So that was good. Uh, so beyond that, I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't really have a parting shot other than I think that yeah, Troy's really good. Um, sorry. <laughs> That's a great parting shot. Troy's good. <laughs> yeah. How do you top that, Jeremy? I can't. <laughs> uh, I will say this. I, I, I've been thinking about what's going on uh, on the Twitter sphere. I'm not going to call it the X sphere. Uh, about uh, JMU, I believe the Sun Belt is going to the bat, going to the bat for them right now. Right, saying hey, uh, with the NCAA trying to make something work out. And and th- there seems to be two camps, guys. There's the camp that says, hey, listen, you knew the rules coming in. The other guys in the conference had to deal with the same bullshit. It's stupid, but you've got to follow the rules. And then at the same time, this is a very unique situation. This is a situation where the Sun Belt could the the or the the NY6 bowl could be represented for the first time by a Sun Belt program. So what is more important to the conference that yeah. we maintain these rules, which I understand if somebody said, yeah. Or that we get this type of representation that really puts a spotlight on the conference. I am torn, guys. I don't know what the correct answer is. I feel like the smart answer is let them in. It really ramped up when Air Force lost. I think if Air Force lost, people would not care as much because they probably would have gone undefeated. But, yeah, it's – I don't know. You know, like you said, Georgia Southern, App State, all those guys had to deal with this. So – uh, I, you know, kind of, I'm kind of the mind that probably just need to, to, it's unfortunate, but those are the rules, I guess. That's kind of where I'm at. Tibbs breaking apart. You be the tiebreaker. here. Oh my God, Shane, it's all up to you. You are the deciding voice. You are the judge. Look, I would love nothing more than to have a Sunbelt team in the New York, uh, New Year's six, mm-hmm. but you knew what you signed up for. Oh. When when you decided to make the jump. In yeah. addition to that, they've already bent the rules and said that you can be the first, quote-unquote, five and seven team if there's not enough bowl teams. So we'll get you in a bowl. Already breaking the rules. Now, mm. maybe they go a little bit further and just say, sure, why not? You can play in the Sunbelt Championship. You can be in New York, New York Six. But at the same time, the pressure's really on James Madison. If everybody's going to bend and break the rules for you, you better make damn sure that you're winning these uh, last few games that you have. 
so that it's not egg on the face that you're sitting there at 11 and one. What they could have done too, is they could have done what Jacksonville state did and start their transition in their last year of FCS. Um, you know, cause Jacksonville state did that. They moved up to, I think from 63 to 75 scholarships in last season. So that made them dis- that disqualified them from the FCS playoffs. Um, and now they're disqualified from the conference USA championship and the, you know, whatever bowl system. Uh, but next year they'll be eligible. So it's really, it, 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 they were ineligible as an FBS team only one year instead of two. You know, maybe JMU should have done that looking back on it. But the other difference is that James Madison was damn near a shoe in to at least be yeah. in the semifinals for FCS, right. yeah. whereas Jacksonville State was going to have to fight their way in. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I can I can understand why they didn't do it, but they would have had you know they'd already be they'd be eligible now if they had. So, my parting shot. Ooh, you know, there's that? the great Dr Pepper commercial with Fanville yeah. where they're like, it's a turnover, uh-huh. and the guy's like, our season's over, it's ruined, right. and he's outside setting everything on fire. Yes, just I caught myself doing that last night, and then I realized. <laughs> <laughs> that ULM was playing the number seven team in the nation. Yeah. Uh huh. And to add the expletive tag to our podcast, Houston's fucking good. <laughs> they're a great defensive team. They push you out the perimeter. They're lean. They're tall. I mean, hell, their walk on guy at the end of the bench had six points against ULM to close out the game for a new career high. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot that you could really do when the guy at the other end of the bench is still smoking threes late in the game. Yeah. So, well, you, you guys are only talking burn about the shirts. So I'm out of my depth here. <laughs> only burn the shirts right. and the gear if they're schmediums. If they're still double <laughs> X and they fit, hold on to them for another year. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. So. Yeah, you know, I think we received a few DMs from Tibbs last night as he was moaning and groaning as it was Dunk City on ULM in Houston. But yeah, and and, and I'm it, we saw the moaning and groaning from Craig while Mobile was having their inexplicable way with the Jaguars. And of course, my Arkansas State a team that I'm finding very promising did not look very promising against a very tough Wisconsin team. And you're right. It's the first game of the season. It's not time to burn jerseys, Tibbs. It's time to get behind the team. Jeremy, just take your ball. (laughs) You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks. That's what our podcast. People are the worst brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.